stargazers, welcome to 7th House Astrology, where I take an aspect, a planet, or a topic, and I investigate it through the lens of Sinistry Astrology, otherwise known as Relationship Astrology. Hello, I am your host, Sandra Misek, and I am so glad that you have joined me with my podcast today. So I know I state this with every episode in which I cover on 7th House Astrology, but this episode, Stargazers, is actually the preparation for this week for it has been really not only very interesting, but also really very informative to me in the regard of explaining the reasons for why do we attract the relationships that we do and uh, why we tend to have the relationships that we do and you know, the, the reasons for it too. Within this week, my hope for you is that you kind of walk away with a little bit of not only of an answer to that question of why we, we attract the relationships as we do, but also not not only having that answer, but having some hope within that answer and letting that answer kind of guide you further or inspire, inspire you really further when it comes down to relationships. So the topic for this week's episode is that of the North Node. And I'm also going, I'm not going to lie, um, when we encompass the North Node, we also have to discuss the South Node as well, too, because... They're kind of one and part and parcel of the same thing, um, as mentioned within both Vedic as well as classical astrology. They're both described as being the dragon head as well as the dragon's tail um, when it comes to this particular point in your chart. And kind of like the dragon's head and the dragon's tail, one cannot be discussed without the other. So basically both both ends of the North and South Node need to be connected, really, in order to fully understand the full implications of what's going on. So what is the North Node, you ask? Well, that is actually a really great question, stargazers. While it is not a planet, nor is it an actual aspect, so it's not like your ascendant, or it's not like the Midheaven or the IC, the Imamkoli, or anything of that nature, nor is it, you know, like I said, a planet such as Mercury or Pluto or Mars. It still holds a really nice big significant in the chart. However, many astrologers agree that it's really merely a mathematical point. Um, I actually tried to look into this a little further this week with, um, the fact that the North Node and the South Node are also called the Lunar Nodes in your chart. And, um, and not only within your chart, but also in the Sinistry chart. And I was trying to see, it's like with the Lunar Nodes, how does that connect? Like, is there, you know, was there an orb with your natal moon that caused the North Node to happen or an orb that caused the South Node to happen? And, not much was actually gleaned within that regard of information. The only thing that we really kind of came up to is that it's a mathematical point in your chart, really, and that it holds a really very profound significance in the regard of karmic astrology. So I, I know what you guys are thinking after the generational 
episodes, the generational relationship episodes, like, oh, no, Sandra's going to blend into two different forms of astrology here and two different branches of astrology. Fear not. I will not. I'm not going to go down too much of the rabbit hole with karmic astrology. I'll just merely introduce it tonight. Um, really, this episode is really very much more focused on the North Node and the South Node and how they pertain to Sinistry Astrology. But to give a little bit of a background of the North Node and to really give more of a clarification of just really what is it, and also what's the South Node too, you know, it's just the two nodes in your chart, as much as it's a mathematical point in your chart, my personal associations with it were... Well, my personal associations were way before I learned about astrology. So my introduction was from a book, Unfortunately, Stargazers. I'm kind of feeling like Diana from A Discovery of Witches. You know, where Diana, the character Diana from A Discovery of Witches, she checked out a folio on alchemy from the library, you know, from the, the University of Oxford, I believe, is where she is a professor. Well, she checked that folio out from the library and did a little more research and then checked it back in. And then, of course, the folio disappeared. For me, this book, I checked this book out in the from the library in 2013. Same thing. I checked it back in. I basically returned it. And... I remembered I wanted to take a look at it again for my records for research when it came to my astrology class, and I couldn't find it anywhere in the library system. And ever since, I cannot find the book, nor can I find the author. It's just really interesting. Although, unlike A Discovery of Witches, I don't think magic is involved in this one. I think it's just a situation of... My memory is a little dicey, and also the the library has a situation where people do take books away from the library, or they steal books away from the library. So that might have been the situation. But anyway, with my inter first introduction, when it came to this particular book, the author actually went into the North Node and the South Node in the regard of case studies, because she was also a therapist. And what she actually did was whenever somebody felt like they did not have a point in their life, or they felt like there was not much of a purpose to their life, she would actually pull up her client's natal chart and take a look at the North Node and the South Node and kind of find ways to have the client work towards the North Node in their life, basically the North Node being your life's purpose in your nail chart. The North Node has also been li uh, likened to the North Star, like your North Star in your chart and kind of the same thing. But uh, really this was, I mean, it was a fascinating book. I'm very regretful to say that I can't find it, unfortunately, but... Um, Definitely a great introduction to the North Node and the South Node. Um, again, with the North Node and the South Node, what I know um, from karmic astrology is that the North Node, like I'd mentioned, is like your North Star. That's your purpose in your life, what you're meant here to do. The South Node, the best way that I can describe it is, so if you imagine that 
you had just so sorry to be a little bit grotesque and sorry to be a little bit morbid here, stargazers. But if you were to imagine that you were, you had died and you had passed over to the other side and you had decided to come back onto this earthly plane. If you had decided to come back to this earthly plane, there are certain considerations that are always at, you know, certain choices that are made in the afterlife. Now, this is according to karmic astrology. One of those choices is the time of birth, the time that you want to come back to earth as a newborn, the place as well, of course, the month, the date, the year, the place, but also really how, you know, the time in which certain planets have shifted and certain aspects are present in the natal chart. And what actually happens when it comes down to the south node is that we usually think of newborns as having a soul that is brand new and fresh and a clean slate. And actually, our souls are just the opposite. Uh, from the previous lifetime that we had once lived, we are actually carrying a lot. Our soul is actually carrying a lot of baggage from that previous lifetime. And really, when we come back and we're reborn, we carry that baggage with us in our souls, you know, deep within our souls. Now, of course, we don't remember all of this. I think it'd just be way too traumatic. But, you know, um, the south node is really the clues to what that baggage is from our previous lifetimes and from our previous incarnations, so to speak. And really, it's that baggage that we're trying to release in this life and the clues usually come from the house that the south note happens to be within as well as the sign that the south note happens to be within as well too they kind of give like little little clues as to what we're comfortable with in life um sometimes i have actually seen astrologers such as joanne martin or joanna martin wolfolk the author of the only astrology book that you'll ever need. Um, she has gone so far as to say that really the South node speaks of negative qualities that need releasing. Um, other astrologers say it's like, you know, your bad habits. I kind of liken it to a place of comfort and it's kind of like being fed junk food. While it can be satisfying in the moment, it's really not satisfying in the long term. But um, really, it's kind of like our ingrained soul's patterns that we carry with us in our lives. Our North Node, on the other hand, so Joanna Martin Wolfolk speaks of the North Node being the positive qualities that you need to develop. But also the North Node is really kind of like the, the healthy food that we need to ingest within our lives. But um, really it's the purpose that our soul in the past life really wanted to come up to, but really in the time that we had spent in that past life, we really didn't meet that um, in that time frame. So in this next life, that's what our soul is hoping to achieve. And again, that is also gleaned from, the house as well as the sign that the north node happens to reside within. Also, if there are planets that are in conjunction or even near the north node in any way, shape, or form, 
that can actually add and lend to more clues as to your purpose in this lifetime and even um, add to your purpose, so to speak. The, the planet could even add, the planet and its archetypes could add more to your purpose as well too as to what you had wanted to accomplish in the previous lifetime as well too. So I know what you're also thinking there. It's like, so when it comes to the North Node, this sounds really interesting. It's really, really very fascinating. How do we distinguish the North Node and the South Node? Such as how do we recognize it in our charts? So uh, normally what happens with the chart is that um, with our natal charts, our North Node is the one node that's actually seen in our charts and presented. And really, um, in Vedic astrology, Vedic astrology uses this term and this description far more. Apparently, according to Joanna Martine Woolfolk, uh, in classical astrology, this description was actually utilized as well, too. But it's called the dragon's head. The north node is called the dragon's head, whereas the south node is called the dragon's tail. And I find that the description is adequate because when you do kind of look at the glyphs really carefully, they do look like a dragon, you know, the, actually when you put them together too, they do form a sort of a dragon or they do form a sort of an S shape that could represent a dragon, but it does look like a dragon's head and a dragon's tail. Um, with the North Node, you just want to take a look for the dragon's head which will be kind of a curved sort of glyph. And to the opposite of where the North Node sits, the opposite house as well as the opposite sign is where your South Node also sits as well. So, for example, if somebody has their North Node in the third house, their South Node is always going to be in the ninth house. Or if your north node is in the first house, it's your south node is always going to be in the seventh house. So the two nodes are always opposite each other. And that's probably why it feels kind of like you're at a tug of war between the traits that you're comfortable with and want to live this life with but then also your purpose that sits right in front of you as well too. They're at opposition or they're always at odds or opposition with each other, which I think is kind of, I think it's just kind of interesting and kind of clever of astrology because I kind of feel like when it, when we come down and boil down to true purpose versus what is not our true purpose, we do feel at odds as well too. But um, overall, stargazers, if you are interested in karmic astrology, if this is very interesting, um, if my, my explanation, my introduction of the North Node is really awesome and interesting to you, um, definitely one book that hasn't disappeared for me, as with uh, Diana from uh, Discovery of Witches, uh, one book that really has not disappeared into the nether sphere is uh, Jan Spiller's works. And she's actually really great when it comes to karmic astrology. What I do recommend is that when you do read one of her books, have your natal chart handy 
um, because she does get more into depth, not only into the North Node and the South Node, but also Saturn's position at the time of birth. Apparently with Saturn, um, that also indicates along with the South Node, some of the excess baggage that we carry in our souls in this lifetime as well. Um, except with that excess baggage, that's something that we can overcome with our Saturn return. So it's always helpful to know where Saturn is as well, too. Also, when she starts getting into why the 12th house is really more pertinent, you can kind of see why and what that means for you in your chart as well. And it's it, karmic astrology is definitely a very interesting branch as well, too. And uh, it's very... I mean, it just, it gets interesting in the regard of, it's that one branch of astrology that kind of bridges the afterlife with this, this life as well, and kind of provides a little bit of an, of an interesting explanation and an interesting puzzle piece as to some of our answers for, for why, why are we here? What's our purpose? What's going on? But I also know what you're thinking, Stargazers. It's like, you know, this is all very interesting, Sandra, but um, what about the North Node and the South Node in relation to Sinistry? Well, I'm glad that you asked. So again, with Sinistry, just like with just the North Node and the South Node, just the general implications, I did have a previous association with it. That association was actually on this show. It was actually with the 11th house episode where within my sample chart in that episode, the man and the woman, the young lady and the gentleman who I'd known at the time, uh, they both had their north nodes in each other's chart, both in the 11th house, coincidentally, which was kind of interesting. They had planets that were conjunct those two. But um, I remembered because I was still kind of learning as to where the north node fits into sinistry astrology. One theory um, in astrology is that the north node can really be that... Um, of a relationship that feels very well faded, like it's meant to be. Now, as much as this theory, now, like as I've stated, this theory does open up new doors um, from what I've actually discovered this week. So there's a deeper, a deeper implication here. But um, this theory kind of describes the twin flame sort of theory very well. And it'll kind of sound a little twin flame, but trust me, stargazers, there's just a little bit more to the North Node and the South Node than, than just this explanation alone. But with this explanation, it's like this relationship is meant and it seems like it's faded. It seems like it's meant to be. However, it starts to disintegrate when both persons find their actual purpose in the relationship. For example, in the chart that I was actually, the sample chart that I was actually reading for the 11th house episode, the gentleman felt like he was coming up to his purpose in life in the regard of discovering and really going much further into photojournalism, 
Whereas the young lady, she was actually really young at the time. She was actually 18 years old at the time when she had dated this guy. Um, she was just actually starting to find her voice. But um, right when she was starting to stand on her own two feet, she was starting to find her own independence and also starting to think more critically and far more clearly about life and, you know, kind of moving from thinking like a teenager to thinking more like a well-rationed adult. That's where the relationship started to disintegrate along with the fact that the guy was starting to discover more and more about photojournalism. He was starting to take more sophisticated pictures from his photography uh, classes and he was starting to dive a little bit deeper. In essence, it just seemed like these two individuals were starting to find themselves. And as they were finding themselves in the regards to the North Node, that's where the relationship started to disintegrate. And that's where they their relationship kind of broke off and they went their different ways. Also, I just have to say with the 11th house association, the North Node being in the 11th house for both persons, it just told me the relationship was actually more meant to be more of a friendship or companionship as opposed to a full-blown romantic affair. But kind of springing off of this explanation of you know, this romance or the romance or the sinistry between two partners kind of holds true until they both find their purpose, let's kind of go a little bit deeper um, and actually turn to a trusted source that I usually like to turn to, and that is of Je that of John Townley, the author of Composite Charts. So with John Townley, what he actually did within his book was that he had pointed out what the North Node means in each of the houses. So my meaning from him, I actually had to glean from. So what I gleaned from John Townley was that the North Node demonstrates where your relationship is going and the deeper implications that it can hold. And the lessons imparted when it comes to the North Node are where the relationship can deepen only if you take those lessons. And also it goes to show that with those deeper lessons comes a happier relationship, even though there's a little bit to be sacrificed. I'm just, I'm just going to add this little bit of a note there. There's just a little bit of sacrifice when it comes to the North Node and especially in regards to a relationship. So if we were to kind of take into consideration the North Node and the South Node again, or the, the position of the South Node again, with the South Node, that's kind of where we hold our fantasies in the relationship. And, you know, usually that's because, again, with the South Node, that's our soul's baggage that we come into this life with. With a South Node, too, I feel like its position can indicate the sort of relationship we might have had in a previous lifetime that our soul wants us to not repeat as well, too. But the way that you can kind of tell the South Node's position is that it's usually the place and the stuff of fantasies and the place and the stuff where it's kind of the relationships that you crave. So, for example... 
For somebody who has a north node in the first house, for example, their south nodes in the seventh house, that person naturally would crave someone who values monogamy and who's willing to stay in the relationship for life and stay with their partner till death do you part and stay rather committed and um, rather faithful within the relationship. And, you know, this person walks into dating with that in mind. However, the relationship that this person seems to actually attract instead with the first node or with the north node being in the first house is that the relationships that are attracted are those that are one-on-one. So basically the partner really implies that this individual needs to develop themselves as an individual as well as seeing themselves in the relationship. Now, this person may feel kind of at a tug of war with this or may feel kind of frustrated with this because it's like, wait a minute, being an individual, but yet being in a relationship, this is this is a contradiction of terms. And it's certainly a contradiction from their seventh house expectations where their south note lies. However, when they open, that if that person kind of remains open, to trying out developing as an individual and seeing themselves as an individual as well as seeing themselves as part of the relationship, that's where their deeper lessons abound. And I think the deeper lesson that can abound is that the more that you learn about yourself, the less that you're dependent upon your partner, the less that you know, you're know you leaning on unhealthy habits in that regard. And the more that you bring to the relationship, really, um, especially if you should happen to have, I mean, with the first house, as we had explored in the first house episode, that's a very high profile relationship. And that actually takes two people having their own personality to make that relationship work as well. But really the whole point with John Townley is when it comes to that North Node, that's where we learn the deepest lessons and that we also learn how to be happier in our relationships as opposed to when we just lean on the South Node and lean on those fantasies that we expect to come into a relationship with. Illumastrology.blogspot.com also took, uh, I don't want to say took, but really deepened John Townley's explanation where, you know, the deeper implications of the relationship get a little bit even deeper on this one. But with Illumastrology.blogspot.com, they'd mentioned that the North Node and the south node, they're basically, north node relationships are the relationships that we are guided to. Kind of like, uh, kind of deepening that whole aspect with John Townley where it's like the deeper implications of the relationship. You know, how we know the north node is at play is, again, it's the relationships that are actually guided to us and that are actually attracted to us whether or not they kind of meet our expectations. However, they aren't comfortable, and that's to be expected. That's actually very normal, since we rely on the South Node and our safe zone. And actually not feeling comfortable is really very normal, knowing that 
the North Node and the South Node are always opposite each other. They have opposite expectations. Now, it doesn't mean that the South Node is completely neglected and, you know, should just be completely discarded, especially in the process of relationship. No, the only thing about the North Node and the South Node, especially being at odds with each other, is that the South Node, one node should not be leaned upon more heavily than the other. And especially since we tend to lean more on the South Node because that's our safe zone, we shouldn't be leaning too heavily on that. We should instead try to gain however uncomfortable the lessons of the North Node are bringing to us. And with that said, there are little bits of lessons from the South Node that also come into the North Node implications there. And really, again, they aren't comfortable not being at odds or just all the two being at constantly being at odds. But um, it was interesting to find that the North Node relationships are those that we are guided to or that are guided to us. Um, a lot of the time when we're asking, you know, why do I have these sort of relationships that I don't really like? Or why do I always have these outcomes? Is it something personal about me? Nine times out of 10, no, that's not the case. That's actually your North Node activating. And it's your North Node kind of reaching to you and activating not only your purpose, but also what relationships look like when it comes to that purpose in your life. And even though they're not at the expectations of the South Node, again, these are the, these are the relationships that will help you to grow as a human being, as well as help you to grow in the relationship itself as well. A good example to me of this are, you know, would be somebody who has a North Node in the eighth house. So with somebody who has a North Node in the eighth house, um, normally what this person would come to the relationship with is that they would have the fantasy of wanting somebody who's very stable, financially sound, and yet who can bring a sense of, like I mentioned again, stability as well as the, the practicalities to the relationship. What they end up drawing instead is that of the philosophers, the poets, the intellectuals, um, people who actually, you know, really draw out the deeper, more transformative aspects in life, or really just kind of drawing on just the deeper aspects of life and really the deeper aspects of an, of a relationship. Obviously, somebody who has the North Node in the Eighth House would not be comfortable with that because, again, um, while the poet and the intellectual, they can be rather seductive and stimulating. By the same token, they're not bringing in, you know, as far as the eye can see, they're not really bringing in the funds. They're not really bringing in a lot of stability into the relationship. They're just talking more and more about how to get really deep or they're, you know, professing more and more how to get really deep in the relationship. Also, too, this is um, a situation where that person might also draw a lot of sexual relationships and the depth comes from that sort of interaction as well. However, if this person kind of goes along with this eighth 
north node, eighth house, north node sort of lesson, what they can learn is that not only could that person secretly be bringing in the bacon or bringing in some sort of stability as well, but also opening new doors when it comes to looking beyond the, you know, the, the eyes perceptions of everything in the relationship, you know, kind of looking beyond the surface or just grazing beyond the surface and really having more of a rewarding and an enriching experience from that. So overall, when it comes down to the North Node, it's really that factor in synastry that really helps us to not only accept why certain relationships are drawn to us or why certain relation why we kind of find ourselves continually in certain relationships but also if taken and if the lessons are taken especially at the north node um it kind of helps us come closer to our purpose in life as well um not only just uh being a better lover but also a better human being and really kind of living a more healthy and fuller life as well, too, which that's what I find to be rather interesting uh, when it comes to the North Node versus the South Node in Sinistry Astrology. Um, again, just the whole notion of how to get away from the junk food um, of the soul that our South Node represents and how to get more towards our purpose and our North Star and how to be, like I said, just a better, just better all the way around which is, like I said, just very interesting. Um, and like I said, too, it, it makes me feel a little bit less like a duff when I look at these theories of the North Node, because unfortunately with my relationships, they've kind of taken a turn where it's it, it kind of has made me wonder. It's like, am I just the duff in the relationship? Am I just a third wheel in the relationship? Or do I, is there another purpose to this? And obviously um, this lends a little bit more of, no, there's another purpose. You know, again, the, the, with the North Node function, there's, there's another purpose. Definitely. So stargazers, I thought I would actually, for the sample chart, do something a little bit fun and actually take a look at the charts of two fictional characters, Twihards. I think you're going to love this and I think you're going to be very excited about this. Um, for those who are not Twihards and what I, and who are wondering, you know, what do I mean by Twihards by that term? Those are individuals who are big fans of the Twilight series of books the Twilight Saga, basically, of um, the, the novels by Stephanie Meyer, as well as the movies that had come out from consecutively from 2007. And I believe the last one, Breaking Dawn Part 2, came out in like 2012, is what I'd like to say as well. But they'd starred Christian, uh, Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattison as well. Um, but yes, uh, I basically took a look at the sinistry chart of Bella Swan and Edward Cullen. And here's going to be the fun thing, since we're kind of talking about both the North Node and the South Node a little bit. One fun fact is that 
there are times in relationships where people kind of get a little stuck on the south node because it, like I mentioned again, that is where we expect relationships to go knowing that these are bad habits that we have inherited in our soul. And also these are the places and the stuff of fantasy. So sometimes if the, if the relationship is a little immature, um, mo there, there's either one or both persons might lean a lot more heavily on their South node than they do their North node. And obviously miss the implications and the lessons the North node can teach us. So with Edward Cullen and Bella Swan, what I wanted to kind of ask is, you know, do we think that they're leaning more on the South node in their relationship or more on the North node? And kind of backing this up with what I have seen with all the Twilight books or the Twilight novels, as well as the movies. But to begin, let me go ahead and introduce each character by sun sign and moon sign. So there is Bella Swan, who is actually, sun is in Virgo, conjunct both Venus and Mars. So what this really means to me is that even though she can be kind of reserved and a little hesitant, especially when it comes to her first interaction with Edward, there is a little bit of a feistiness and an impulsive side to Bella Swan as indicated by that Mars conjunction. And usually I think it's just a refusal to settle for norms. It's like when she's investigating whatever's going on with Edward or whenever she's kind of getting away as with um, New Moon when she was trying to get away from Edward as well too, she grew rather like I said, ra rather feisty and took life into her own hands by kind of just being free and almost, I would even say almost impulsive. I mean, here she is, she's not only riding a motorcycle when she knows she could get into an accident, but she's walking into bars and kissing the bouncer and interacting with a drunken man. And this, of course, is a new moon right after Edward had broken up with her and while she, you know, kind of excuses it as she's losing her mind, I almost think it's that, like I said, again, she has an impulsivity to her. Um, kind of like, you know, well, my life is over without, without Edward, so, so be it. With, um, the Venus conjunction, to me, what that also means, kind of like what her name means, being beautiful in Italian, she actually has a great certain charm and facade to her, hence why she has two guys fawning over her within all of the books. I mean, I personally could not have two guys fawn over me if I were to run naked in the middle of the street. Um, and yet with, uh, with Bella, she just shows up into a room, it seems, and two guys are in instantly infatuated with her. So definitely she has a beauty and a charm to her, even though, like I said, with Venus and Virgo and the moon being in Virgo, she's kind of reserved and aloof and really likes to kind of keep everybody at arm's distance is what her chart indicates. Now, her moon is kind of interesting in the regard that 
It's in Gemini. Usually a moon in Gemini indicates somebody who values communication and also values thought. Um, and also is usually very feisty and communicative as well, knowing also too that the Gemini, Geminian, the ruler of Gemini is the same as that of Virgo. They're both ruled by Mercury. And usually I see a lot of mercurial energy and mercurial spark come from this interaction. But with Bella, it seems like we don't see her speaking a lot in the, both the movies as well as within the book, you know, not really speaking her mind a lot. It's kind of like she just kind of goes along with Edward a lot of times in the relationship or there are times where she just remains very neutral when it comes to Jacob and we rarely hear her voice um, in the novels as well as within the movie. And I really feel like it's that one element that, I'd love to see within Bella. And I really think that that would be, you know, if she were a little more, a little feistier and a little more communicative, I would, I would see a different dimension to her character. And maybe that would also deepen her character a lot in my view. With Edward, interestingly enough, his son's position is in between Gemini and Cancer. Actually, it's technically in Gemini on the Cancer cusp. So kind of like what I mentioned in the last episode with the sex on the third date and the cusping planets, here's a really great typical example. With Edward, we see that, yes, he's very communicative and he can actually be the shadow side of Gemini in the regard that he can be very mercurial as well, too. And his mind can be like Quicksilver, where he thinks very quickly and on his feet. But to me, I kind of feel like he does also embrace the cancer side in the regard that he can be very hyper-emotional. And due to the fact that he is two contrasting signs, his son is in between two contrasting signs, I just feel like that really gives a lot of, um, not that this condones this sort of behavior, but it kind of, you know, really gives a good reason. Um, actually, I don't want to say it gives a good reason, but it kind of, you know, explains a little bit in the regard where he kind of just flies off the handle a lot of the time. It can be very emotive um, and very quick to anger or very quick to feel or very quick to love um, in this regard. What's also interesting about Edward is that Neptune is really in conjunction with his son, which means that he can be a very elusive character. His moon also being in Leo indicates that he naturally internally likes to likes leadership, which we see a lot of within both the books as well as the movies. He likes to take the lead. He likes to be in center stage in the relationship as well. Now, um, what kind of was interesting, again, when I took a look at the North Node and the South Node of each character, was how, how sometimes the character sometimes embodies this and sometimes does not. And I think part of the reason with Edward and Bella is, you know, sometimes they somewhat embody their North Node and somewhat they don't, is that 
I feel like it's because they're really young. Um, it's a very youthful. Well, with Edward, I can't really say he's very young. He's like 111 years old in the book. But um, with Bella, definitely, she's a very young, she's very young. And when you're young and in love and in a relationship, let's just say you're not really fully well developed when it comes to what you express. But uh, in the case with Edward, what was interesting is that his North Node is actually in the second house. So kind of the opposite with one of our examples um, with the North Node being the eighth house. With his North Node being in the second house, his purpose in life or his purpose in relationships is to really be more responsible and also be more um, structured than he usually is. His south note, his natural indication is to be, you know, obviously searching for the meaning of life, searching for the deeper meanings, being more deep and transformative. And I almost think the typical brooding vampire, but we see him kind of step into this role, especially within the first Twilight book, when he saves Bella from an ongoing, I think it was like a car that had turned over, if I'm remembering correctly. But he literally steps in, saves Bella from this catastrophic accident, or what could be a really catastrophic accident, and really um, kind of steps up the relationship a little bit by taking that responsibility. However, I don't feel like he fully lives in that North Node, knowing that he continually, you know, lurks for the deeper meaning with his relationship to Bella. I mean, almost to the point where he sacrifices the relationship with the New Moon by breaking it off um, because he had to think is really what it came across as being. You know, he had to, you know, he'd break it off because he had to think more about Bella and had to think more about the implications of being in a relationship with her before really coming back to her and really coming back around to it. So I kind of feel like he is ruled a little bit by a south node in the eighth house by being deep and brooding and trying to get to the underlying meanings of life. With Bella, um, her North Node is actually in the fourth house, which is indicative of home. You know, what is home to you? Is it brick and mortar? Is it where the heart is? But also with home being, you know, where the heart is, what really is, what, what can, what does your heart tell you as to what really is safe and structured and wonderful when it comes to relationship? Very rarely do we see Bella actually listening to her heart and to seeing like what's actually safe and wonderful and awesome for her in a relationship. A lot of times it's like she just loves Edward. So she just kind of sacrifices herself for Edward's sake. Or, you know, she broke up with Edward. She's rebounding with Jacob and just kind of, you know, really giving herself to that relationship. And rarely do we see her just kind of put the brakes on the relationships and really kind of listen to her heart and to her actual needs. 
and her actual needs away from the relationships as well too, which I feel is very important for somebody who has a North node in the fourth house. In contrast, her South node is in the 10th house. So as much as we don't see both characters work in the novel, the 10th house is really that, you know, so South Node and the 10th house is that. It's where somebody would value their career or their career aspirations and also where they're going in life and really more of the the concrete aspirations in life, you know, really making sure that their goals in life are very concrete, they're very sound, and they're very... um acceptable when it comes to society with that north like i said the south node being capricorn many times if i see the south node in capricorn i see somebody who gets lost in their work um with bella i think the closest that i can see with this would be that when she broke up with edward or when she faced the breakup with edward more like in new moon she started to focus more on her schoolwork and also focus more on her day job in a sports goods shop in Forks, as opposed to really kind of listening to what she really needed from her own heart. And that was, of course, in the, the novel of New Moon. In a way, with Bella... It's hard to say whether she lives in the North Node or the South Node when it comes to the Twilight Saga and when it comes to the the relationship. I think really, I don't see a lot of her, like I said, I don't see a lot of her listening to her own heart as to who she is. I see her listening to her heart for the relationship, but um, I still kind of see some ties to the South Node in Capricorn in the regard that it's like, it's almost as though she's working hard for the relationship, even though the relationship might not necessarily be working hard for her in that regard. Um, in either case, I really feel like with Bella, Bella and Edward, since they're both, like I said, and again, this is very common with two young individuals, that they do get stuck on that South node again, being that of their fantasy and also being that of a habit and young people, it usually takes a little while to break bad habits. Um, but you know, with Bella and Edward, I, I would really, I could really see more come out of the relationship if they advance more towards their North nodes. Like if Edward were to advance towards that second house North node and being more, a responsible person in the relationship instead of this really very emotional brooding vampire, um, so to speak. And with um, Bella, I would see a lot more of a depth coming out of her if she were to like pull back from the relationship and literally listen to herself. Um, so I really feel that, again, these are two individuals that are two characters that could really embrace the North Node a bit more. And I really feel like the North Node would really enrich their experience. And maybe, you know, I, I didn't read um, Breaking Dawn Part 2. Maybe when Bella does become a vampire, maybe she does embrace that North Node um, inside herself. Maybe with Edward, he does kind of back off a little bit. He stops being that brooding vampire and starts to become 
more of a family man, so to speak, um, in the, in the Twilight Saga. So hard to know, but again, I could see where the characters could be enriched far more if they were to lean towards their North Node. And that, um, in a nutshell, is a great example because that's what happens when two people in reality either lean more towards their South Node, neglecting their North Node. When a lot of people tend to lean more towards their North Node, there's a lot more of an enriching relationship and a more complex relationship that can come about. And also, again, complex characteristics with each individual. So stargazers, there. this comes down to the segment of what have we learned when it comes to the North Node and the South Node relationships. Well, um, like I mentioned earlier, there are reasons for why relationships happen as they do, and they aren't as personal as we make them out to be. So my own um, example is that my South Node is actually in my fifth house, and my North Node is in my 11th house. And to break this down a little bit, what I usually expect a relationship to be is to be a very passionate affair. Um, definitely that thing that is embodied in the fifth house, you know, the stuff that's embodied in the fifth house, you know, passionate love affair, um, definitely a very close intimate affair as well too. Um, little bit of playfulness engendered into that. Um, however, the relationships that I've had in life, the most meaningful relationships that I've had in life are always those that the guys seem to be attracted to me, but somehow there's a loop to where we end up being just friends and really not much more. It's like the other people around me get the deep, really passionate relationships that I really crave, but I get the friendships. And for a while, I remembered, I took this very personally because it's like, okay, am I just a duff or am I just an ugly duckling here Um, to where these guys are just, you know, is this a way for guys to just passively, aggressively say they're just not, they're just not interested. And actually what's come of these relationships, you know, actually particularly of two relationships that I can think of right off the bat, um, when I've had that friendship it actually had grown to a deeper relationship than it would had if it were just a passionate, torrid love affair. And I'd also noticed within my life that when I had it tried to go for relationships that were embodied with my South Node in the fifth house, so basically passionate relationships all the way around, um, those relationships were not as fulfilling. And it was just, it's like I said, again, it's just very, when I read these descriptions, it's like, I I just couldn't help but remember like so many times in my past where I had the South Node unfulfilling relationship where it didn't go much of anywhere. And usually I think if it went anywhere, it was usually the guy lost his temper or the guy was losing his cool and losing his respect as well as his attraction towards me. And then with the North Node, it was like the friendship kind of gained more momentum and respect in the relationship. And the guys usually imparted something a lot more meaningful to me um, in the ways of advice 
as usually indicated by the 11th house, you know, advice as well as companionship and friendship. But they usually would give like a, a form of advice that would be very meaningful and actually still is very meaningful to me to this very day as well, too. Um, also, just remembering the friendships, too, are also very meaningful. They were meaningful to me when I had them and also are still meaningful to me to this day. So um, it's definitely, you know, the North Node acts of its own accord. It's definitely our North Star. And um, definitely with these relationships, it's good to just give them a chance because, again, even though the reasons for why these relationships happen and they're not the relationships we want, even though it's it's kind of satisfying in the regard that they're not the relationships that we want, if we stick to them, they're actually the most enriching and fulfilling relationships in the regard that it helps us to become better individuals as well as helps us in the relationship as well too. It also turned out that maybe my purpose in my life when it comes to relationships being in the 11th house is that maybe I'm not meant to be with just one person. Maybe I'm meant to have a relationship with many people. And that was also something that was imparted by both of these gentlemen in my life and also many other meaningful relationships that I've had in my life that ended up turning into platonic friendships or even just platonic companionships at the end. I also feel like uh, with the South Node, the North Node and the South Node, um, our relationships heighten our purpose if it's hard to glean out from your chart, and which I'm going to be honest with you, stargazers, knowing our purpose in life, it's, it's kind of like, you know, somebody coming up to us on the street and asking us, what's your purpose in this life? It's uh, it's very, very hard to glean that out of our own souls, let alone even with the puzzle pieces in our natal charts, it can be very hard to determine exactly what our life's purpose is, or it can be very hard for us to understand our life's purpose. So I kind of feel like the relationships that we have in the synastry of the North Node helps us to, for, to uh, helps for us to fully glean out what our north node means and our purpose in this lifetime and also what the south node means and what we should be doing without as well to what what are the things that are ensnaring us and causing us to progress or causing us to not progress and move forward in our relationships well, Stargazers, I do hope that this was a very informative episode. I do hope it wasn't too goopy or too abstract and kind of airy. Please uh, let me know how you feel about it, um, either by my Gmail account or my email account at mysic.sandra at gmail.com. Or you can also find me on Instagram at Sandra.Mysic, and that again is M-I-S-E-K. Also, too, if you're curious, um, since I had read Edward and Bella's chart, uh, the composite chart, if you're, if you're curious about your own composite chart, please visit my Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash seventh house astrology. Definitely become a member. That way you're supporting me. But with that also said, um, for free, I will be reading your chart. 
as well as giving you a booklet. Um, so kind of giving you not only your, your composite chart, but also a booklet of what the composite chart means for your records. And all this, when you become a member, is absolutely for free, which, like I said, that beats a lot of metaphysical shops or a lot of um, personal astrologers where they actually start charging at $150 for the hour if they're reading the chart, or sometimes they might even charge like as high as $100 for the service alone. So definitely check that out and um, get your free synastry chart. But above all stargazers, do not be afraid to look up at the, at the stars. Um, actually, the, the um, moon is new this time around, so we get to see the stars more clearly. But above all, um, whether they're specific occurrences, it also helps us to regain a sense of perspective as well as our origins in astrology. And above all, stargazers, most importantly, between this week and next week, be well. And I will see you next week.